Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 103 of the No Podcast. We are No Outside Food or Drink, the Southeast Premier Video Game Podcast. Tonight, we have new Super Nintendo and Nintendo Online titles. Stadia finally announces some new games. Stadia, what's that? PS5 manufacturing costs lead to price speculation. Jeff Keighley, along with Sony, will be skipping E3. Final Fantasy VII remake details have emerged <laughs> as a drink opens. Uh, Project xCloud launches on, on iOS with Master Chief Only Adventures. Criterion takes over whatever's left of Need for Speed. Quantic Dream is set to self-publish. Capcom sales update. That's all I got. Drew reunites with ex-Bioware vets. Mm, intriguing. And Bioware, while we're on the Bioware kick, confirms Anthem relaunch. I'm Richard Bergman, joined tonight by SSR Concepcion II. Hello, everyone. Welcome, sir. Yes. We played some games together this week. We did. I'm excited to discuss them. I actually played a lot this week. Yeah, you just said I didn't play that much. Yeah. Now you're like, I played a lot. I'm like, I'm always at work thinking about playing games, and then when I'm at playing games, I'm always thinking about playing other games. It's like, it's never, it's nonstop. Then there's that. Yeah. Tonight, we're going to play a game together and stream it for everybody. Yes. It'll be a little bit later than 8 o'clock, but you'll have already watched us by now, by the time you hear this. Yeah. Well, maybe a little 8.15, 8.30. I don't think we'll be that much longer. I'm sure we can... Uh... You want to just run down a quick episode? Yep. Cut some of this news? Yep. Just We're going to just read down the lines. All right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, new Super Nintendo. <laughs> that probably would not have been too good. What drink are you drinking there, sir? Um, it is provided by you. It's the New Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. Have you had the can one? We did I the live. Not. We did the live taste testing of the bottle. And can is much better. We weren't impressed. The mm-hmm. can is where it's at. Yeah. I'm hooked on these. It's like the we need that aluminum aftertaste in there to help uh, counterset it. That's what it is. Aspartame and aluminum, my two favorites. Oh yeah, that's the bare necessity. Should be our band name. Is it aspartame? Or yes, it is. Absolutely, aspartame and citrus pectin. And sucralose. It's both sweeteners. Yes. Fucking sweet as hell as Mountain Dew. It has to be, because you know the original one's like 60 grams of sugar. Oof. That's all we're drinking. It's like hummingbird food. Mm-hmm. I like these a lot. I've been burning these up. The 12 packs 333 at Walmart. Another sponsor, friend of the show, Walmart. Thank you for providing the Mountain Dew Zero Sugars that, yep. I, that I paid for. That you paid for with your own money. Well done, Walmart. They didn't really provide it. They just put it on the shelf yep. for me. Hey, yeah, they could have been like, oh, somewhere in the back, kind of like your uh, when you try to buy Journey to the Savage Planet. They're out now. Yeah, yeah, and I saw it at this one. I just nobody's ever there. I can't get anybody over there to get it. Yeah, we're playing Borderlands, so I'm just gonna. I'm still packing up games, so I'm keeping like certain titles out. I think one. Uh, let me know if you think it's a good idea. I'm thinking about getting one of those cheap CD sleeves. I thought I had one sitting around here from like a dollar store or something, and just tuck in some of the discs that I'm gonna be playing, and just have them. Have that one thing instead of all those cases out. Do that or um, what I do, um, I buy like a six-pack uh, Blu-ray holder, mm-hmm. and I usually just throw six in there if I go somewhere. So Okay. With you talking about with the case and everything? Yeah, what, in a hard case, yeah. I just want to pack the cases with the rest of them. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about the disc is in one giant multi-disc. Oh, I got you. Case. I know what you're yeah. talking about now. I just, okay. I don't, that way, it's not bulky with like a hundred sleeves and I just, it's only six, <laughs> literally six games. I did so. just find, it's in that box over there, I did just find Blade Runner on HD DVD, which has like nine discs in it. Yeah. So I could just, I could take those out. Because that, that, that one, you, yeah, that one's a weird one because you had like a, the original version, the director's yeah. cut and then the work, final cut and then the director's, director's cut. When like, what, one of those discs like fucked up when it shipped? Or was um, that just the Blu-ray copy? It was the, the final cut, the Worker's final cut, because it was uh-huh. black and white. It wasn't. It didn't have the full version. I think you can do a replacement for it. It still? wasn't. It wasn't like. Um, you think they, you can still get it? <laughs> probably not. It wasn't like when they fucked up when I bought the Harry Potter collection mm-hmm. on Blu-ray, and then the last movie was a HD DVD. 
Really? Yeah, I had to call them and they had to send me the Blu-ray. It was a known issue. They just randomly packed that yeah, one in there. Yeah, they got they got super happy and threw in like a movie number six or something like that. Which one came out at that time? Was that like one through? It was a one whole collection. Six, yeah. Okay, one through yeah. six. That makes yeah. sense. Everything up to that point before the final what, three, they split that last one into two movies. Right. Uh, I got a title for it, so I'm just jotting that down. Oh yeah, you're fine. All right, now go ahead. We'll, well, I guess we'll start out with, uh, we got some new titles coming on Super Nintendo NES, right? Finally. I think we were just talking about there being a drought, so. Yeah, well, they said Listeners, they were going to, yeah. Yeah, they said they were going to, I don't know. I don't know, they said they were going to come out like that, which is weird, but some, I wish it would come out with bigger games, but neither here or there. So, um, coming, I think, was it February 19th, we have uh, Pop and Twinbee. Which fits into the games you're playing right now. Yeah, shooters. I, it was the sixth entry in the Twin B saga. I've only got up to the second one, so I still got to get four more before I know the storyline for the Twin Bees. So you're caught up on the lore? Yep, of the ship with hands that shoots pellets and drops <laughs> bombs. Um, and then also this game that you've been dreaming about, Namco Smash Tennis. Dude, I just looked this up. Mm -hmm. I just looked this game up and, and sent it to you. I was like, maybe we should import this and try it out. It's supposed to be better than Super Tennis. Everybody raves about Super Tennis, I, man. You hate it. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, I I don't. Maybe it doesn't click with me. I just don't like Super I can't Tennis. Stand it. I can, I'd rather play any other tennis I can't game. Stand it. I look at adults only tennis, and I'm like, I'd rather buy adults only tennis and play that. <laughs> adults only tennis. Um. Oh, so we're not getting Super Tennis. We I think Super Tennis is already on there. We're gonna get Namco's Smash Tennis, but yeah. in in Japan it's like Super Family Smash Tennis. Or it's something. like Super Family Tennis. It's a longer, it. yeah. 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 A they threw in the time. family, like they didn't confuse people with the Super in there. Yeah. And then on the NAS side, we're getting Shadow the Ninja, uh, and something called Eliminator Bolt Duel. And this is from uh, The Verge, by the way. And they put in there something called Eliminator Bolt Duel because I don't know what that is. They confessed they never heard of it either. Did you see a clip of that? It looks crazy. But it said it looks pretty wild for any game about powerboats. Dude, I watched it. It's like it's got like 3D footage. It looks like pre-Mode 7 type stuff. Let's see if it'll pop up real quick. This is great for audio, by the way. No, it's not going to do it. Yeah, we'll look at it later and go it over looks and give our it's impressions. Impressive. Yeah. It's impressive. That Shadow of the Ninja I never heard of. It looks like something uh, McLeod would like. So there's, look, this is the, like the two-player mode. But then there's like a look at that shit yeah. on NES. That's like that almost like a great. Billy Baru type of thing where they had those different gameplays. And I loved Billy Baru. I don't know why I love Billy Baru. I remember running that shit in Germany all the time. I was like, this is great. I got four different modes and like first person mode and riding the Jeep mode. I was a dumb six. Just variety. Just playing different shit. I was a dumb six year old. I looked at Metal Gear Solid like fuck that game and then I uh, Metal Gear and then ended up getting Billy Baru. Yeah, Metal Gear's okay. The NES one is not the way to go, generally uh, considered. Uh, speaking of announcing games, uh, Google appeases Stadia subscribers with the first new game announcement since launch. That's The Verge's headlines. Uh, they announced five games. Those are Panzer Dragoon Remake, Serious Sam Collection, and three games that will come to Stadia before any other platforms. Lost Words Beyond the Page, which is written by a writer of Mirror's Edge and Tomb Raider, Rihanna Pratchett. Split, Split Links, I said that wrong. Split Links, a wacky arcade game you can play with three friends and stacks on stacks. A colored 3D tower builder that reminds the writer of the Verge article, who is Taylor Lyles of Jenga. Uh, I think it's a pretty big get to have Panzer Dragoon remake on there. Yeah, they were talking about doing that on PC for a while, right? Because those PC Switch title. Mm -hmm. I think they came back later and said it was coming to PC after the Switch announcement. We haven't seen anything from that recently. Maybe this is, you know, maybe they came they, to Stadia like, hey, we need to get back in the news a little bit. Yeah, because remember, they're also doing those... Um, was it uh, House of the Dead remakes, I believe. Or that another studio under that umbrella for them, if I remember correctly. 
is doing the House of the Dead. Yeah. Is that coming to all platforms also? Uh, they didn't say. Oh. Um, I don't know. They're very, um, I don't know. What's your nostalgia for House of the Dead? I like it. Mine is only Typing of the Dead. Uh, no, I've played them all. I've also, they got House of the Dead 3 and 4 on PlayStation now. I usually farm up every so often. Mm. It's okay with uh, doing a controller and first person, but I want to say it's move capable. Kind of okay. like the ports of those Resident Evil like gun shooters. Yeah, the ones that came from Wii to PS3. Mm-hmm. There's a house. There's a couple House of the Deads for PS3. Those are the ones you're talking That's about. That's the one I'm talking yeah. about, yeah. 3 and 4, yeah. Or on that service, think, there might be two on there as well. I think they do use the move controllers. And then yeah. um, Overkill, which was that Wii port too. Yep. Can you use so. move controllers on PlayStation Now games? I don't know. I've never tried. Huh. That's a good... I'll have to try it one day. See what happens. You got those. You got... Um, I'm trying to think what else got ported. The easy titles, you know. The um, Travis Touchdown. I can't think of the series. No More Heroes. Those got ported also. I wonder if that works. Yeah. Well, I don't know if No More Heroes is on that service, per se, but... I guess it's got to be yeah. on PlayStation Now to work yeah. on PlayStation Now. I got you. I don't know. I got you. Tell us about that PlayStation 5 price. So they came out, uh, Bloomberg <laughs> uh, came out like over... President, like, President Bloomberg? Well done. Um, <laughs> came out like a... Uh, what did he proclaim? <laughs> I threw you off. I threw you off too bad. I am trying to stay uh, <laughs> off the political uh, platform here. And I almost jumped ship. All right, um... So outside of that, they have somebody had did a expose on the why it's taking Sony so long to kind of announce anything mm-hmm. regarding the PS5, right. and based off everything they have said on there, they've leaked out there and said the cost is set to be around 450, and they said what's driving up the cost is uh, parts. I think was it the ND RAM, VRAM were low capacity, so they had to cancel one of their camera deployments, a mirrorless camera they were going to make outside. It's not a camera they were going to use with the PS5, mm-hmm. but it was something that Sony was making in their DSLR department. They had to cancel because they used the parts instead to, to supply the PS5. Oh, they put that together? Right. I got you. And then um, they, they uh, opted to do a higher dollar cost for cooling. So, because, you know, a lot of, they actually, for once, listen to everybody who was bitching about the loud PS4s, and they're like, all right, fucking let, jet planes, let's man. go ahead and pay the extra cost and, you know, address the issue. Yeah. Which I'm proud of them. Right down, I'm proud of them, because usually they don't do that. They're always like, yeah, we're going to cut costs. I'm always willing to spend more for mm-hmm. for proper cooling. And that, I think the Bloomberg article specifically states that it's only a couple, like, it was a couple dollars more for for the cooling over what is normally put in there. Pennies, I think they said that's the thing. So <laughs> it's, it's way more expensive. But it, that adds up when you're talking millions and millions mm-hmm. of units. So I think the estimated cost is that it's around four fifty. Um to produce. Right. Not uh, to sell. Well, after you put the because I'm what I'm looking at is after you put the retail cut, realtors cut, as well as marketing and all that in there, it's probably gonna push the price of the four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's not. They didn't want to do that. I, I think their internal goal was probably trying to get that down to three ninety nine. That's what it seemed like. So the RAM, the GPU, the stuff that was going to be in there, I never expected three ninety nine. So I've never had in my mind. Maybe it's going to be three ninety nine ever. I, I don't think so. I I would pay four ninety nine. I just think they're not ready to announce four ninety nine because they were always going to undercut Microsoft, and that's what the whole article is. They're waiting for Microsoft to come out because they're Microsoft will take a loss. They can. They can't. They can't. So, I mean, yeah. Microsoft, they'll, they'll make it up in subscriptions. They could take Sony doesn't have it. You're right. So that's why they're uh, holding back. So I think internally they want three ninety nine. The whole article, once you go through the article, they mm-hmm. said there's actually internal arguments that they're arguing. Like a lot of development studios are telling them to take the hit and go to three ninety nine. 
because they got a good feeling that it's going to be $499 for the new Xbox, and the new Xbox is going to be more powerful. You're going to pay $499 for the more powerful console right. versus if you put in skew to skew. Right, because Digital Foundry is going to be all over those comparison videos, and they're going to show off whatever this year's Call of Duty is mm -hmm. on both platforms. And If it's a slight difference, I mean, it's just all about power. If it's a slight difference, mm -hmm. you know. Isn't they're, that a very small niche, though? Or is it just going to be the marketing, the way it ruled marketing this generation, they're that afraid of it for next generation? Um, I just think it is. Or they're that aware, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just the way that, I mean, gaming consoles is very still niche. I mean, you know, a lot of people just want to play games, so they, we haven't gotten to that part where people don't give a F. Yeah. And just play it on whatever device they own. So right now you're you're kind of catering to that market. So yeah. especially early adopters. That's what as they lead mm -hmm. the pack, and that's where the market share came from last time. Yeah. So the, let me uh, reiterate that this came from the article came from the Verge. Um, it doesn't say any specs. All it does they did say that the the there is a new PlayStation VR. It's coming out afterwards. There's no date on that. Um, they also did say that uh, what we always thought it was going to be, that there's going to be PS4 and PS5 games. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a transitional period. It's not going to be the Microsoft method where you pop in the game, it works on whatever console you have. So, right. And so uh, I know me and you follow Daniel Med on, on Twitter, mm -hmm. and he pointed out, because a lot of people were like, well, 499 is what I expected. I would have paid 49 this whole thing like you did. Mm -hmm. Like, 499 is what I expected for this stuff. Yeah. But they said the problem is, you look at Sony, one high-end console, 499 Microsoft, three different tiers for consoles to play new games. So you have a low tier, mid tier, and then yep. the high end. So that's why you can't come at it one one price point with one console. And technically your your Xbox One from twenty thirteen is gonna play the new Halo game. And that thing you can get for one ninety nine or one forty nine. So Yeah. Super cheap. Damn, that thing is super cheap. That's what I'm saying. Why this is why Sony's struggling. Yeah. They got a they got a, it's it's a it's a game they're not dumb yep they learned a lot from the ps3 so they're not going to come out there like well people will buy it they want it and xbox has done a great job positioning themselves oh, for this for they the took the hit they years. took this hit this generation yeah. and like i said they they have no worries they're good I take mean, your not, lumps and learn from it they whatever they're going to put out there they're fine they're going to make up money subscriptions and mm -hmm. they take the hit on hardware that's what microsoft's always done throughout the years so right. they're, they're a software company they're a services company now so we'll see this is all rumors again uh, I think a big part of that at the very end of the article, the Bloomberg report also says Sony's working on a new PSVR virtual reality headset, of course, which is said to be planned for release after PS5. I think you said that. You did? Mm -hmm. How, where did I miss that? I don't know. How did I miss it? <laughs> you did that to us one time. No, mm -hmm. I'm getting you back. It's all good. All right. Well, will we just reiterate the PlayStation VR bit. Yeah. So outside of that, they did point out here that I saw new in this article that somebody had mentioned that when the PS4 came out of launch... Uh, they believe the estimate was three eighty one, and they sold it for three ninety nine. So they didn't take a loss. No, they made money on PS four yep. after taking lumps on PS three for so long. Yep, they had to. All right, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I guess that could be part of the reason why they haven't announced anything yet. Um, I mean, I, I think everything's set in stone. I think it's just trying to get around that price. It could be they they could be waiting for manufacturing to hit a couple more months, and maybe mm -hmm. price will drop. We don't know. Or availability. Right now, then you have the whole. Um, they're already pulling from their cameras, though. That you know, that's big business for Sony too. Mm -hmm. But PlayStation is their number one thing, right? Now, yep. yeah, yeah, because they sold off a lot of their stuff. Is it's movies and PlayStation? Yep. Because uh, Sony Pictures is actually starting to turn up, and they're a billion dollar company now. I think the first time ever, Maybe ever, yeah. So they actually turning around on it for them too. Do you think we get an event between now and you know they did their they did a big thing like the week before E3 last year? 
or like the Sunday before or something. You know, they they had an they had a direct or something right before it where they announced some cool stuff. You think we get anything before? Well, I mean, you know, this this was a month when we got the PS4 announcement, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I... But it's the by the time this goes up, it's the 18th. We're running out of days in February. I mean, even they're not the only ones. Nintendo's been people have been thirsty for another direct, they're like a, a dying real, for a, a direct. real direct, not like a a Pokemon one, Pokemon or a Smash direct or. <laughs> I got a good feeling the next story's going to be Animal Crossing 1 and everybody's going to be pissed. They're just like, Animal Crossing. Yeah. I, I just think the real reason why, and this is getting off topic, just because I don't think Nintendo's going to have that stellar year like they had last year with a lot of titles, so I think they're going to mm-hmm. play a little bit closer to ta- yeah. uh, chess. There's a lot of things that haven't come out yet, like you were saying, Animal Crossing, they got Doom coming to their platform, mm-hmm. uh, Panzer Dragoon, which they've showed off before. A lot of things that they've showed off that have not come out yet, there's no need to show off more stuff. I think, uh, was it Sebi the... Nintendo leaker on Twitter did mm-hmm. confirm there's other stuff going around. There might be like three directs coming. The only one that that person could confirm was that there isn't going to be another Nintendo Nindies this month. Nindies? Yeah, that's the only thing they could confirm. They can confirm anything else like a regular direct. So. Okay, good stuff from Nindies. So, yeah, which makes sense because all those Nindies they did, the last one should be rolling out at the end of this month in March. What was announced at the last one? What was the last big lead? Cuphead? Was that the last big direct? I don't know. How long has it been? It's been a while since November, maybe. They've only done like solo and solo games, right? Nindies is the only generic <laughs> one, and I don't even remember the Nindies games they announced in there. So somebody on Twitter pointed out, I can't, I can't remember who it was exactly, but the Go Nintendo account said it's now been the longest amount of time Nintendo like 160 had. days. Or something. Yeah, someone was keeping Nintendo's track of it, yeah. ever had without a direct, and someone answered and said, "Well, technically, they were founded in 1870 whatever, and <laughs> the first direct was in 2011, so it's the second longest drought with no direct." People are thirsty as shit, man. They they want that news. Hey, this is all part of the marketing. They it is. Doing. They got now. They got people hungry at the chomps. They so. do. They do. They but look forward it, to it. They you got to be careful. You're gonna backfire if you don't come out with the good shit. You yeah. saw what happened with the uh, Smash and Fire Emblem. So yeah, we're pissed. And the the expectations of the directs lead into that Sony show. And Sony hasn't done like blown the doors down with their state of plays that they do. It's nah. just kind of general updates. Yeah, because I mean, we're at the end of this generation. It's not like where they have. Uh, I think state of plays will be better the next generation. Like we got this new game, this new game, this new game. Yeah, now it's kind of like there's they're setting them up for that. They're just kind of like they're ending this generation on what they got. I, it's like the new PlayStation Underground. It's we, just we're giving live them, instead of a demo. We're disc. giving them shit, but I think it's they're taking their feedback now to prepare for when they uh they're gonna start bringing the heavy heat hitters on there. So because they always they always say on the PlayStation blog, hey, send us your feedback, send us your feedback. We're hearing, we're listening, you know. Build that marketing team. Yep. Next gen. Next gen is upon us. Ushering in that next generation will be Jeff Keighley, but not at E3 this year. Well done. For the first time in 25 years. <laughs> I've been I've been looking at this article trying to figure out a way to wing it through, and yeah. that's just that's what I came up with. Uh, Jeff Keighley announced he's not going to be at E3. Um, his full statement is. His full statement was very general. It's he, just like the Sony one. You saw how like they were very they were very. The first, they, the first they, blast is like yeah. They weren't they weren't giving them shit. You know right. there you know there's something going on behind the scenes. Like they had conversations about what they were wanting to do with it, and they didn't agree with it. But they didn't say like ESA's dumb. All right, here's this statement. Yeah, here you go. go For ahead. the past 25 years, I've attended every Electronic Entertainment Expo. Covering covering hosting and sharing E3 has been a highlight of my year. Not to mention a defining part of my career. I've debated what to say about E3 2020. While I want to support the developers who will showcase their work, I also need to be open and honest with you, the fans, about precisely what to expect from me. I made the difficult decision to decline to produce E3 Coliseum. 
For the first time in 25 years, I'll not be participating in E3. I look forward to supporting the industry in other ways and at other events in the future. And you dug into his Twitter, like, right after that. Yeah, because he, he, he put on there, like, he was open to questions. Because yep. a lot of people were... Ask me anything. Yeah, and he was going to try to be open as possible. A lot of people were trying to direct into the whole thing where, like, they leaked information. And mm-hmm. I think part of it was that, but he didn't go into, like, yeah, that was it. He was just, it was multiple things, but I think it was the whole... He argued, you, you saw on there, he argues this E3 is a platform that's very undecided what they want to do with it. Right. And I guess what he thinks they should go with it, they didn't agree with him. They didn't agree with each other. It's the same thing with Sony. Mm-hmm. Where, except Sony didn't say that. Somebody just kind of like, who was in the back talks heard what happened. Where Sony didn't agree the direction with the show. And that's why it didn't fit what they wanted to promote right. their you could brand. See, you could see what they did the last couple of years. Right. Getting away from that. And so I, I think it's funny because everybody gives Sony shit. But then, you know, Microsoft's not there. They're somewhere else doing their own right, version. Yeah, right off campus and controlling their own, their own narrative. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're at E3. They're just at E3, you know, displaying games and playing shit. That's the only thing that Sony's not doing this it's time. It's like a having. big uh, mixer section usually, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the only thing Sony's not doing is they're bringing their games for people to play on the show floor. That's mm-hmm. it. Outside of that, they were always there doing the keynotes. But, you know, Microsoft hasn't done a keynote there in years. Right. A couple years, maybe. Nintendo hasn't done one for a long time. They've been doing the videos. Right. They just bring games to be played there. But it seems like people are quick. We all see it in real time. People seem so quick to give them a pass. But it's like they're not really there. They just do that shit around that time. Right. They have that presence. So, I guess, you know. Nintendo shifted to doing the big game every year. Yeah. They do a big title. What's it going to be this year? Animal Crossing's already going to be out. We'll have to have a direct before them where they can sit there and they can push out what they're going to show out there. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at their catalog. I don't know. Outside of what Xenoblade Chronicles, sometime this year, it's the only thing they have that's kind of pending a date. But I port. I don't see that. There's probably a couple more ports coming on there, but I don't see that. I'm, I'm assuming there's gonna be something new, but we'll wait and see. New more, no more Heroes Three is coming, but I think that's too niche. Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. I feel like we just talked about Keeley. He literally has his own platform at this point. He has the Game Awards. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just me and you chatting about it. But I think of all the people who really don't need this anymore and who E3 needs more than they need E3 might be Jeff Keighley. Yeah. He can literally do his own thing from a studio and live stream announcements and get interviews and whatever else he wants to do. And you know something that, you know what, and you know E3's, doing, E3's not doing something right if he's like, yeah, I'm still doing my Gamescom thing. Yeah. He'll be there outside yeah. of the ESA. Yeah. No, no qualms about it. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm doing definitely doing Gamescom. You touched on something when you were mentioning the the leak of information and all that, the uh, addresses and phone numbers and all mm-hmm. that. Because he's a journalist through and through. That's how he got his start. Mm-hmm. You know, he did the big Half Life expose, and he was at Gamespot for years. Yeah. He's, he's he's a writer. He's a, he's a he's a journalist. So I could see that really bugging him. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that's part of it. It wasn't the full reason, and that he wasn't going to admit that was the full reason. But I know that's part of it. So, and then you know, you saw they kind of leaked it again. Where who was going to attend the show? Like they. Somebody fucking let the password up there again. So, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I feel for ESA. Hopefully, they get their shit together. Um, I just they need to evolve, and I do. I do. I do think it sucks that Sony is not gonna. I don't care about Sony not being there. I just I do think it sucks that Sony's not gonna do something around that time. Right. Which is still early to call. They could. Yeah, they did last year. So I mean, hopefully they'll do something around that time. But let's be honest, everybody. Microsoft's not there. Nintendo's not there. Let's you know, don't be don't be asses. They can do whatever. Yeah, they can do whatever off campus and be fine. So outside of that, a game that uh, will be out before E3 will be Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah. 
So uh, this is from Gimatsu. They, pot, they uh, posted some more details uh, on characters for Red 13. Uh, Professor Hojo, based off those trailers that show, who seems to have more of a story-driven appearance in he's, this game. He's a big part of that story. I remember that. Red 13 looks so fucking yeah. great. I know you didn't watch the opening movie. I, I checked it out just because, and it's, uh, it's good, man. It's, uh, yeah, I'm going to wait. It's a variation of that famous... You know the the bombing mission, mm-hmm. the opening of Final Fantasy VII. It's a there's a twist on it, but it's uh it's solid. It's good. And I imagine it's part of where they're gonna show like, hey, this this is a, this is a reimagining. We're not doing a straight remake. It is so, because yeah. I I know you know that 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 opening movie. You know mm-hmm. in my heart. You see you see Aerith right there. Like she's next to that Mako box or whatever. Yeah. And then she gets up and walks down the alleyway. Yeah. In this one, I don't want to. It's not ruining anything for you. She's glancing behind her. It's like somebody is behind her in the alleyway when she yeah. gets up and walks away. So there already, there's already a layer on top of what we already know to expect. And yeah, when the, Tur- story the Turks are kind of looking for her. It might be like the Turks kind of watching her or something like that. Could somebody, be. She gets, she's feeling somebody's watching her. Could be. Because you don't find out until much later. You know that, that opening movie draws you in. But A, you don't meet her until a good bit in the game. Yeah. And then B, you don't find out her true role until much later in the oh, yeah, game. The agents and all that, mm-hmm. yeah. Last of the Ancients. All right, so, yep, outside of that, I mean, they just kind of go over more details, but, I mean, we're literally, it would have been a couple weeks away from it, but we're about a month away from it, so I imagine we're going to see a demo shadow drop right around the state of play. I'm guessing the state of play is going to happen in March, and we'll get the demo then. Um, I'm playing the hell out of the demo. I'm, I'm jumping down the demo. Yeah, I am too. Uh, it looks good. I'm going to wait. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add from this article. Uh, thank you, Sal Romano. There's a bunch of details. Jump into it if you want to know more about the systems inside the game. Uh, this is still my most excited game, and I mentioned, you know, packing no podcast HQ and all that kind of stuff. I left out my PSP and Crisis Core. I think I'm going to try to take a crack at Crisis Core enjoy, and play that leading up to. I enjoy Crisis Core remake. immensely. The ending is very touching. A lot of the like mission they showed off like side missions and mm-hmm. stuff like that in Final Fantasy VII Remake, and it reminded me a lot of Crisis Core, the stuff you could pick up and things like that. So probably be giving that a go. I'm up next, right? Yep. Microsoft's xCloud game streaming arrives on iOS with some Apple restrictions for iPad and iPhone. We've both <laughs> tried it out and had various results with it. We'll talk about that with games played. But xCloud is, they announced it, what, Wednesday? I think it was. This comes from The Verge. Yeah, I think uh, Major Nelson came out. I got mm-hmm. the tweet from him, and he's like, sign, sign up, up too. At, sign up for Test Flight. I signed up. I already have Test Flight, you know, ready to go. Yep. And I got accepted within, what, two hours? They sent the invite? Uh, was, mine was instantaneous almost. It yeah, was? Yeah. yeah. It was like, literally, I was playing at work. Luckily, I had my Bluetooth controller. I jumped on the T-Mobile, wife, uh, T-Mobile mm-hmm. LT. No issues. Beautiful. Yeah. Right, yeah, straight off cell phone. I have not had perfect anything. It's been borderline unplayable for me. (laughs) It's been more unplayable for me on Wi-Fi. Really? Uh, Well, that's to be expected. uh, Cell phone, no issues. No issues? Yep. I want... You have have a different iPad. I've only tried it on my iPad, and it's just unplayable with a perfect connection. I'll do a speed test and be golden, and I've tried three different networks. I don't know... If there's interference with it, or I get too many Bluetooth devices synced to it, or if there's some kind of thing um, I got to troubleshoot. Well, I mean, I'm not going to go too much details in games, but I go into it now. I put three hours into the Halo Reach mm-hmm. campaign. Uh, just kind of just, it's tough for me because it's like trying to play it on the small screen. It does take some adjustment. 
from playing games like that on the big console where right. you can miss a lot of detail. That's why I'm not really... I know we've discussed about going through Halo Reach experience the story together. That's mm-hmm. why I wasn't really too concerned about it because I was like, oh, I'm just going to fuck around and go through it and not worry about it. Yeah. I got like, it. I got like to three hours. Halo event we went to. Yeah. It's basically what I did, just kind of just a test. I, three hours in, threw it on easy, went through it, and I just, there's a point where I just stopped thinking about it and just started going through the game. So it works. Mm-hmm. I had no issues. It's pretty smooth. Uh, no lag. Um, the only time I had an issue is when I jumped on Wi Fi. But yeah. I tried multiplayer Wi-Fi and it was unplayable. I didn't get a kill, couldn't capture a flag, nothing. Mm-hmm. It was unplayable. So I, I was like, oh, I'll just try the anniversary campaign. I could count the frames. Like I would hit the stick and wait for Master Chief to move, and then I would see this like over exaggeration, like almost you know, did I turn in that direction? So I hit it again and yeah. then I go fly in the other direction. It was not good, but I I'll continue to troubleshoot it. I just I spent my lunch one day troubleshooting it and as we've documented on this podcast, you and I troubleshoot shit mm. all the time. That's not how I wanted to spend my hour, so it was I, kind of frustrating. Well, it's the only reason I kept going is because, you know, after a while, I'd be like, nope, tried it. and if Because I would have had experiences like you. I was just like, nope, tried it. It doesn't work for me and moved on to something else because I'm not going to. The majority of my lunch hours, usually I have my emails open. I'm answering emails, and I just have me eating and then watching anime on my phone and to the right of me. So gotcha. I usually don't play games that often during my lunch. Um, the Verge notes the app is also limited to xCloud and does not include the Xbox game streaming feature. It's literally just Master Chief Collection. Yep. Uh, apparently, Apple put limits on it. It's not clear what the, the limits are. It's 88 days when I and loaded up the... See, I've always gotten that in Test Flight because yeah. I do the Microsoft Authenticator in Test Flight and I did uh, Sky, that game from that game company. And they would just renew it. Like yeah. they would tell you, have you ever done the test flight thing? Yeah, plenty of times. Okay, yeah. I was about to say they'll, they'll just renew it. Like they'll send you another. I mean, one no, I'm say, just I'm just noting that's the only restriction that it showed for me. Was I got you. 88 days. Yeah, outside of that, I have no idea. Uh, that's it on XCloud. I was not impressed. You were super impressed. No, I'm all right <laughs> with it. So outside of that, we also uh, EA reassigns the future of the Need for Speed. From the last three or four years, we've been getting uh, yearly updates to Need for Speed to a uh, mixed variety. Uh, some being okay, some being good. Michael liked this last um, one. A lot of it just us wanting burnout again. Uh, but outside of that, they uh, mentioning burnout, they're going to give uh, the Need for Speed franchise to the burnout developer Criterion Games. Back to Criterion. Um, they're going to take, I think, what was it, Ghost Games and rebrand them and then use them as a supply group, kind of like they, uh, Activision does with uh, Call of Duty, where they... Like a support studio that just that bounces around helps out with big mm-hmm. big uh, releases and this is all from the verge tyler lies they'll do like a co-op version or like multiplayer maps or some assets right textures that kind of stuff so i think it's the next installment which they haven't um said what is it going to be but i imagine it's going to be whatever's going to be the next gen version mm-hmm. of the console so it's just a heads up that Criterion Games is taking over that uh they're going to do the next installment what it's going to be there's no announcement for it so I so based off what they said, we might not get a Need for Speed this year. Maybe it might be the next one. Excuse me. I know Michael liked this last one. Yeah, I've heard Need good things Speed about Heat. it. It seemed yeah. Did but, you pick it up or try it out or anything? Uh no. I think you know, believe it or not, those games actually still hold value, just like any other Need for yeah. Speed game. Um, I did pick those, and I'm not a very big digital person, but I did pick them digital because they've always seemed to be like five ninety nine. So I may get that when it drops to five ninety nine. Right. It depends. If it's nineteen ninety nine physical, I'll pick it up. I, I'm just not. I think Need for Speed Most Wanted was the last one I, I really enjoyed. Uh, so. The Verge article notes that that's, that was their last favorite one, too. <laughs> I didn't even read that no, part. I was <laughs> no, you and Michael have talked about that yeah. one, too, especially on, I think, Wii U and Vita is the one y'all pointed out as being really good versions also. I enjoyed the Vita one as well. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh. Who's left at Criterion? I thought all those people left and made that. You remember that golf game that was like burnout? Dangerous Golf? Yeah. They also have a car-based one, they too. They did a car one after mm-hmm. that. And they bundled those together now. So. Okay. But those... That's your main people. Like, who's Criterion? Even those are anymore? okay when I played them. They, it's like they have the main uh, concept of uh, a burnout on there, but it's never fleshed out properly. You know, it's not like they got it, but they haven't gotten there because of the limitations of the studio size, probably, and what they can accomplish on that budget. I just packed up uh, the Need for Speed for 3DO, the definitive one. Finally. That's the one we should be playing. We should. Is it 3DO support on Polymega? Do you remember? I don't think so. Not yet. Might be coming later. Yeah. Any update on that? Now would be a nice time to have one. <laughs> load, I, up, I gotta, load up some games. I got a bad feeling by the time that shit comes out, we're going to have a backwards compatible PlayStation. But PlayStation 6? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, Quantic Dream announces self-publishing venture. This also comes from Gematsu. Uh, Quantic Dream of Heavy Rain, Fahrenheit, Slash Indigo Prophecy. All games I've played. I don't know why I'm Detroit. a Quantic Dream fan. There's a lot of haters and there's a lot of lovers. So I know there were some issues at their studio that I think they were acquitted from, even though there was... I'm sure it happened and they just lucked out, but because yeah. part of lack of proof. But, you know, neither here or there, you know, people argue, you know. Without proof, you can't sit there and say they were at fault. They so. still exist. No one's been convicted or put in jail that I know of. But I'm also <laughs> the person on the other end where, you know, if you have multiple people reason up something, then something happened. So Smoke, there's what, fire. Yeah. Whether or not I can't say that stuff happened, I don't know. No. They'll but, be self-publishing. They've been kind of a, a Sony-ish studio for quite some time. Yeah, they're, they've they been made. the second-party developer. I think they signed that deal for three games. It just took them a while to get those to complete that three-game deal. And then they... Sat there forever porting those three games over to PS3 to PS4. So, yep. and then uh, Epic Game Store ports of all three, those being Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and Detroit Become. Is it Become Human or Becoming Human? Become Human. Become Human. Become Human. Which I enjoyed all three of those. Yep. Heavy Rain probably the most out of all. Beyond Two Souls was surprised. A lot of people didn't like it. It was surprisingly good for me. It was one of those games that uh, I. It was like Heavy Rain where I sat there throughout that weekend and played it straight. I actually enjoyed it a lot. It seemed like a victim of having to follow up Heavy Rain yeah. as the main the main issue. I came in with a clean slate and I wasn't going in like, this has got to be better than Heavy Rain. Right. Which I imagine some people... I want Heavy Rain too. Yeah. It says Chrono Cross. It has to be Chrono Trigger too. Yeah, because outside of that, you know, it's that's not how the studio works, I guess, so... Is what it is. Good for them. Yeah. Um, apparently, Detroit Become Human allowed them to be able to do this. So good so sales well, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad, uh, yeah, and they said now it's time to, to test the market. So I guess we're going to get this on multiple consoles. I'm happy for them. Always so, a good thing. Yeah. More people play their games, and hopefully they'll grow. Tell us about more people playing Capcom games. Capcom games. That sounded bad. Mm. So, tell me about you know how, uh, make you know how, sales. yeah, you know how Capcom is. So, they've been hitting their back catalog for a while. So, and then they've been very, very good about updating their uh, million sellers here. Or they call them platinum titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this is from Gimasu from Good Old Sal. Would you say these are platinum games? Platinum titles. <laughs> um, so, the first notable one they uh, updated was Monster Hunter World, which uh, sold an additional 800,000 units since September 30th. And this is one of their highest selling ones, which is at almost that's 15 crazy. million. Something that's been out for almost, what, two years? Maybe three? And been on Game Pass. It wasn't a free PlayStation mm-hmm. Plus game, was it? And, was and the rockiness they had on the on the PC for yeah. a while. So, yeah. with deleting saves with Iceborne. 15 million units. Um, Next up was uh, Resident Evil 7 at 7 million units. Excellent. Which is good for something that kind of changed the direction of the series. It went and did something different and didn't shun people away. 
Um, uh, this one's going to pass it in the next probably two or three months. Devil May... Resident Evil 2. I'm looking at... You skip Resident Evil yep, 2. Yeah, Resident Evil 2. Yep. What? 5.8. Uh, 840,000 units since September 30th. Uh, I like these specifically since September 30th. I guess that was their last... All right, these are all call. September 30th. I'm not going to make it uh, announcement <laughs> yet. So, outside of that, we have Devil May Cry 5, which is 3.1 million, which is pretty good for one year. I think it just hit the one-year anniversary. Uh, Street Fighter 5 at 4.1 million. Uh, Monster Hunter World Iceborne at 3.4 million, which is another 400,000 additional That's crazy, ones. man. That's Iceborne. That's the uh, standalone. Devil May Cry 4 uh, Special Edition, which has sold 1.4 million. And that's the first time it's uh, appeared on this list. So uh, then it goes down oh, the ones God. I haven't hit in the Look list. Look at this list. We won't go into detail. <laughs> Look at this list. I like Street Fighter 2's on <laughs> Street there. Street Fighter 2's yeah. number two. No, it was number two. It's number five. Your second best selling all time Capcom game is Resident Evil 5. And right behind it at 7.4 million units is Resident Evil 6. Ugh. It's a good list. I love Le- stuff Leon's like this. campaign was really good in Resident Evil 6. I'll leave it at that. Was it? It was the classic zombie campaign. Resident, Resident Evil for PS1 only sold 2.75 million. That's crazy. Yeah, that was an issue at the time. Hmm. All yep. right, where's the GameCube titles? I'm scrolling. I don't see shit. Resident Evil 4 for GameCube 1.6. That blows my mind. There's a reason why they oh ported it. Oh my god. There's a reason why they ported the PS2. It'll, it's almost been outsold by Onimusha 3. Mm-hmm. Where's Resident Evil 4 for PS2? It's going to be way up there. There's the Wii edition. PS2 is at 2.3 million. These are good sales, man. It's, uh, Capcom is the house of Resident Evil. Resident Evil of Capcom. Yep. <laughs> Alright. You're up with uh, Drew Unites with X-Bioware Vets. Oh god, I didn't pull up that story. Let me take the Anthem one. Uh, confirming rumors that have been around for quite a while, Anthem will be rebooted by Bioware. They're going to reinvent the Core gameplay loop, according to Casey Hudson, who announced in a Bioware blog post. The story comes from Gamatsu. They quote, Over the last year, the team has worked hard to improve stability, performance, and general quality of life while delivering three seasons of new content and features. Hudson said, We have also heard your feedback that Anthem needs a more satisfying loot experience, better long-term progression, and a more fulfilling in-game. So we recognize that there's still more fundamental work to be done to bring out the full potential of the experience, and it will require a more substantial reinvention than an update or expansion. <laughs> Uh, he finishes the current, well, this is just a pull from the article. The current version of Anthem will continue to run in the meantime, but move away from full seasons as the dev team works on the new version. Events, store refreshes, and revits, revisits of past seasonal and cataclysm, of co- cataclysm content will continue towards the end of the month. All right. So new it's basically Anthem. more of the same Anthem until they relaunch it, and which I imagine be... they'll probably relaunch it with the new consoles, which is smart. I mean, I imagine it'll be on the old one for community's sake. They get a large community, but it's do you think be this, that new new. You think this is a new skew, or do you think this is a paid price or a, a free update for everybody who has Anthem? How do you think this works? I think this is going to be in development so long. I don't know. I don't know. You burn the bridge on the people who've already been on there before, or you give yep. them a bone and say, "Hey, use your old disc, but you buy this expansion for ten dollars." And then get everybody I know a whole new set. I don't know. I guess they're going to worry about that when it's getting close to release. So I have Anthem, but I paid $5 for Mm -hmm. it, and I have yet to play it. So I'm not stressing anything. What are your thoughts? It doesn't matter to me. I'd rather them make a good game instead of me playing a bad game. Agreed. I'll pay more money for a good game. I hope the best for them. Yep. 
I don't know anyone who... Do you know anybody who dove into Anthem and just really... I know Michael played through the campaign and beat it. A uh, co-worker at work went through it and, and I think beat everything in the weekend and he was like, all right. And that was it. And it's never talked about it since. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, I was like, you ever went back to it? It's like, no. No running strikes or update mission updates or anything like that? It wasn't what he thought it was going to be because he followed it for a while, was kind of excited about it, got mm-hmm. in there and was like, no. It's... I think that was everyone's mm-hmm. uh, general consensus. All right, so best of, best best of luck, best of luck to Bioware and Anthem. Speaking of Bioware, we have a uh, one I just dropped in here, a new story from the Mass Effect lead writer Drew Caprishon. We're gonna mispronounce that. Apologies, Drew. Apologies. Yep. Uh, joins ex Bioware vets at the new Wizards of the Coast studio. They're not just making Wizards magic cards. Uh, back in January, Magic the Gathering publisher Wizards of the New Coast unveiled Archetype Entertainment, a new video game development studio. Particularly notable the fact that it's being helmed by two ex Bioware veterans, now Mass Effect. And now Mass Effect 1, 2, 1 and 2 lead writer Drew has confirmed that he's joined the team. Our type studio's head is former Bioware creative director and lead designer James Olin, who previously worked on the likes of Baldur's Gate, Dragon Age Origins, Neverwinter Nights, and Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. While another Bioware alum, Chad Robertson, will be mm-hmm. vice president and general manager. Uh, Carpachon, who uh, left Bioware for the second time in March 2018, <laughs> joins the Austin, Texas studio as a lead writer. Fans of Bioware's classic output were already intrigued when Archetype Entertainment revealed its first title will be a new story-driven sci-fi RPG. A couple that with the news, its lead writer will be the main, uh, the, be the man behind Mass Effect One and Two, and who also had an, an inviolable resume featuring the likes of Baldur's Gate, Knights of the Old Republic, and Dragon Age. That excitement is likely to rise a few notches higher. This is all from Eurogamer. Um, I was wondering when you said Wizards of the Coast. I was wondering if they were doing that new uh, Dark Alliance game, but that's Mm-mm. that's not them. So uh, Drew went on there and wrote, "When I started at Bioware, everything was fresh and exciting. It was a dream job. Talented people working together to create epic games like Baldur's Gate, Kotor, Mass Effect, and Dragon Age. But as mm-hmm. we grew and became more successful, and things changed, we became more corporate. We were less able to make what we loved, and the teams were pushed to create games based on market research rather than our creative instincts and passions." My dream job Oof. became just a job, and I lost Oof. the enthusiasm and excitement I once had. But with our type, my passion has been rekindled. The field in the studio reminds me of my early days at Bioware. I can feel the magic in the air, and even though I can't get too deep into the specifics of what we're working on yet, we're already generating plenty of excitement in the industry. I know we have big shoes to fill with Bioware. With Bioware, I was part of a legacy that was endure uh, forever. We created some of the most beloved uh, console RPGs in the past two decades. But I truly believe at our type we have the talent and the opportunity to do something just as amazing. Pretty uh, scathing. Yeah. Uh, he was honest. <laughs> Review of his time at Bioware and what it's become. Which explains why he probably left. And then you know how some people when they leave their job, they're like... And then they use that safety net and they come back and they're like, yeah, there's a reason why I left and then leave again. He had a lot invested. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I've said on the podcast before, I've never beaten a Mass Effect game, but I have read that book that he wrote that came out alongside that first game. He's a good writer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've read his books too, and I, I enjoyed him just as much as the game. I so. think he has his own his own stuff, if I remember right. Like yeah. he, he has his own characters and universes and stuff. So. Oh, yeah. He's not going to be relying on, on Bioware properties. I'm very excited about see what they come from the studio. So, gaming, man. Golden Age of gaming still. It is. Yeah. It truly is. They um they joined up in April 2019, so maybe next year we see something from them. Uh, you know what? At this point, I'm not even going to speculate. Just bring it when it's ready. I'm excited. Either way, I'll play it. You went I got out there and got the talent. I'll play it when I get a chance. You said know. Austin. Is Bioware in Austin? Yeah. That's where the <laughs> Nice of the Old Republic MMORPG team is at. That's right. Yeah. I think that's uh, where he, because he wrote the story for that before he went to, uh, what was it? I think he did Anthem, right? He did the story in Anthem a little bit. Can't 
he left for like several years. Like he yeah. was not with Bioware for quite a while. He, if I remember he, right. Yeah, he left right when it, it was either before Andromeda dropped or because it was a big deal when he came back. Yeah, it was. Uh, I know he came back after Andromeda dropped, and everybody's like, "He'll save Mass Effect again." I remember that from Wikipedia. Served as a senior writer of uh, Knights of the Old Republic and lead writer for the first two Mass Effect video games. Yeah. He left Bioware in 2012 to focus on his Chaos Chaosborn novels. That's what I was referencing. Yeah. And returned to it three years later in 2015. On March 9th, 2018, he announced he was once again leaving Bioware to focus on his independent work. So he's been indie now for a little while. He loves Foo Fighters and Green Day. Well done. I'm glad Wikipedia is that thorough. Pre- previously lived in Canada and now lives in, uh, moved his family to Austin, Texas. 20, in 2009, actually. Yeah. Yes, he did work on Anthem, you're correct. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a couple of Forgotten Realms books, the uh, Bowder's Gate novelization. Yeah. He's been a busy guy. It's a good writer. Excited to see what he comes out with. Mass Effect Revelation, that's the one I read. It was about Saren's backstory. Yes, I enjoyed that immensely. Because that was the that one, was good as hell. That was the one where, he, for the first time, they worked with the humans as a, a species, and they decided if they would be specters or not. Remember, that was a test run. And that's how... Uh, because he decided the Sergeant Johnson character of Mass Effect, I can't remember who it is. That's how he decided mm-hmm. it wasn't going to be him. Because he was a main character in that. Yeah, but they did decide that humans were advanced enough to become Spectres because of that mission. And he also kind of had the backstory of uh, what's his face and how he got in doctrine. Mm-hmm. So, that was a good book. Yeah. Damn, I read that over 10 years ago. Crazy. I did. I remember reading on a treadmill when I was running. Dude, I was packing uh, some magazines and stuff earlier and found a Steve Jobs special. He died mm-hmm. He died almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's 2011. I was like, shit. He, he powered through that pancreatic cancer, man. He lasted eight years. Most people don't last four or yeah. three. All right. We're going to go. We're going to take a break or we're going to go straight to games played. Your call. Let's talk Borderlands. All right. <laughs> we finally got into Borderlands last night. What is your, uh, what's your hot take? Um... It's like any other uh, MMORPG. I don't play online a lot. Uh, it's always like kind of like that foreign object, and it's always one of those things that it you can always tell, and you might be able to hear when I, in my voice when I play. It takes me a minute to get along and get get going because mm-hmm. I'm always like, eh, I'd rather just be playing some kind of single player thing or something like that. It's just the whole obstacle getting started and getting pulled into a game. But eh, eventually, I did. It, yeah, it's a great looking game. Um, it's beautiful. That cell shading looks awesome. I, PlayStation 4 Pro. It did some hand-holding in the beginning, but it didn't do it as long as I thought it would. Yeah. Because uh, if it would have any longer, I'd be like, fuck this. I was almost in the same boat because I'm yeah. like, okay, I know that that's Claptrap's humor and it has a it has a place, but I'm tired of that shit. Go it here, has to go. the whole go here, go there. I mean, you know, I wish there was an option sometimes in those games. Like, I, I played Borderlands before and it just skips that bullshit and it just kind of just melts you through the story even faster, but the it, little prologue. It, but. It did though, and we we laughed like when he was talking about doing the stealth thing, like oh, when he was God. crawling on the ground yeah. and stuff. We did laugh at that, but there was no gameplay to do it. We we're just following him. Like yeah. it didn't even teach us any stealth. We walked up to the gate. I think it was a whole to joke to time for stealth. Yeah. And so you know, there's a, and he's like talking to himself. Yeah. That's cool when I don't know. I'm like you. That's cool when you go through a, a mm-hmm. single player campaign because it's mm-hmm. funny. But when you're going through like a multiplayer, you're like all right, let's go, let's let's get going, let's get this yep. thing going. But outside of that, it's a, it's a Borderlands game. I mean, we put in, what, a couple of hours into it? It's pretty good. We Three, see, at least. We did some side yeah. missions that it almost chopped my uh, four four hours I spent in, uh, online last year. So, according to my uh, look PlayStation us. journey. Look yeah. at us now. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> um, so, last year was uh, four hours in Division One that me, you, and Russell played that we never yeah. played again. Oh. 
And this year will be hopefully uh, five hours of Borderlands Three, which we would hopefully keep playing. But knowing our luck, we'll probably never play again after five. Hours. I'm feeling <laughs> I'm feeling playing more. I woke up this morning thinking yeah. about it. The shooting is super tight. Like I don't, I've I, I've messed around with Borderlands before, but this was an actual effort of us playing it. Yeah, the shooting's really good. I like the shooting on there. It just it takes me a while. That man, that right stick is very sensitive. It, it I'm like. Across here, just trying to aim. I have to. I probably go on that um, menu and kind of turn down the sensitivity. I found a pistol that um, it's got a sight on it, and you know, you look down the sight, but it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't hold it up. It cocks it to the side, and then I can see everything else around it easier. So uh, I've been sticking with that just because I like the way it. I, I just it frames up the enemies and stuff. If if it reminds me like of my job where I I have to help install new computers, and I have like those um, people who try to use the mouse and. And some people, like, you don't change any of the mouse sensitivity, but they're like, you see them going, oh, I can't hold this mouse steady. It's like it's like they're sliding on um, KY Jelly or it's something like that. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, dude, calm down. There's there's a mouse steady. We'll, we'll slow down the, the pointers. You're okay. You're okay. But it's like, for me, it's fine. But for somebody else, it's like, whoa, this is all over the place. I'm like, you know, it's like, that's how I felt when I was going on there for the right stick. I just got to go in there and kind of play with the settings on there. I just didn't have time because we were deep in gameplay. Yeah. So, because I kept running into issues with uh, the vehicles, which is very Halo based. Um, but for me, I whatever reason that right stick is very sensitive and so if i hit it i'm like i'm flying off the cliff and i'm like great i didn't have any trouble yeah. with it, but i drive in halo all the time yeah. when we play i'm always in the i'm always in the warthog yeah then i'm well you know i'm usually when i usually do vehicles and in most games is always the right trigger um, yeah the r2 l2 this is very old yeah. school yeah this is like uh, a borderlands 3 would have been on ps3 or 360 yeah. it feels like just a, a super sharp version. it's it's definitely marketed to people who play like halo and stuff like that they know who they're going for like yeah. these are the competitive shooters who play this is who they got it for so the loot thing doesn't really grab me because I'm happy with the guns I have. I'm not really like trying to level them up or anything, and the the skills are a lot of fun to mess around with. Yeah, I'm not. I always loot the the weapons so I can always sell them because I'm not concerned about that. Because whenever yep. you do die and you have to respawn, they start charging like two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars. If you're out of money, then you're fucked. So uh, that's why I got to you got to make sure you. you I didn't notice you have that. Money. I thought you just respawn. Nope. And they move they you charge back. you every time. Okay. Yeah, you get charged from a corporation for them to rebuild your body. A corporation. Yeah. So. I've got but, a skill. I'm playing as Amara, I think her name is. And there's a skill where uh, a blue fist like comes up out of the ground and just holds the enemy, and then you could just lay into them. Mm -hmm. And that's. I think if we start mixing that in a little bit more, that'll help us out pretty good. Yeah, mine is uh, the guy from the Irish accent. I forget what his name is, but um, is it Zeke or something like that? Possibly. I apologize, everyone. They're not really. We haven't gotten to that part where they're showing personality yeah. yet. I mean, outside right. of you, Lilith, but um, that one drops like a huge shield that. You can kind of get behind. Oh, we did. So, yeah, we did yeah. fight from from within that a couple. He times. has he has two other ones. I might go in there and kind of fuck around with those and see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, from the little bit we played, it, yeah, I'm, I'm down. I keep going. So it's fun. Yeah, we paid fifteen dollars for it. Seventeen dollars. Yeah, put shipping and tax. I've paid way more for games and played them way less. Yeah, and I'd rather play with people. So yeah, this is uh, Borderlands is one of those ones you do want to play with people. So mm -hmm. it does I help. Cannot, I would not sit there by myself and and do that. Yeah, because I it can get vast and boring after a while. So especially we're just in that desert borderland. So desert. Wasteland. And there's nothing to do. Like we need to wait for each other to go through the campaign. Like there's nothing to do on the side or anything. It's mm -hmm. not like a Diablo where you can retrace missions and. Or can you go back and do that? Do you know? Uh, we're gonna find out. I guess when we go through and play again. Right? No, we'll we'll just play together. Yeah. I'm not worried about. I'm not like gonna be craving Borderlands three without making sure you're online first. So. Same here. Yeah, I'm not gonna jump on there. I'll be committed, our, committed be our to the co-op game. And we've yeah. played it longer than Wolfenstein. We got further. We, oh God, 
we gotta beat that game. Wolfenstein was kicking our ass. Yeah, well, that but was it's part a of the difficulty. Completely different game now. It's been patched so many times. You want to restart it and do that airship all over again? Yeah, well, let's yeah. see. Then we can do our uh, differences about how why we should wait on games and not buy on day one. But there's neither here or there. All right. Or wait for uh, them to patch the buddy pass that your buddy Cesar's given you regarding. Mm. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I saw it for twenty bucks today on uh, Switch. One I, of the the Walmart I was at has a bunch of clearance games. I'm I meant to send you y'all a picture, but I think I, you and Michael have everything. I bought the I bought Wolfenstein Two for Switch already. Mm-hmm. The deluxe one. If you ever want to try the Buddy Pass one, that one. I think it was a uh, new I had it on. Silver. Wolfenstein Dose. Yeah. No. Uh, Young. Young Blood. They had it uh, on sale for ten bucks. So that was the digital one. I said, fuck it. I'll never get it. If you cheap. and I are like on a bus or a plane or something together, I'll play that one. If not, we're going to be playing mm-hmm. on PlayStation. <laughs> that's why $10 was my buy price because yeah. it was a download code anyways, and I think there was no cartridge, so. Right. Um, do you want to cover anything else? Oh, I got sucked into Master Chief Collection. You and I quit because we were we were tired of the game, I think, A. B, we were actually tired, tired. It was like 1130. Yeah. Man, I was getting ready to go to bed. I turned off the PlayStation. I took off the headset and everything. I get up. I literally got a message from a friend of the show, Derek. He and his son, Evan, were on Master Chief Collection. He's like, hey, we're about to get on. Do you want to play some? I was like, yeah, I'll get a couple rounds in. So I played like three hours with them. How the um, fuck? How the fuck? I mean, I can understand Derek's son because he's young, but how the fuck does Derek stay up all night? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I got you. Uh, just hanging out with, you know, hanging out with his you kids. You ask him games. about his uh, Fountain Youth uh, secrets and you let me know. We expired at the same time, so I will I will give him that. We, yeah. we both ran out of gas at the same time when Evan Evan was still ready to go. He is younger, though. He could play longer than us. I miss those days playing at like 6 or 7 in the morning. I think that's him. I know that's what he did on Fortnite when Fortnite was her jam. But I'm really excited to be able to play with him because they, they have switched over to Halo Master Chief Collection. That's I'm going to definitely play that more than mm-hmm. more than Fortnite. But we uh, they put in like objective-based playlists because I just jump in their group. It's it's the you know it's just the two of them, so it's three of us, and uh, we played some modes I never played before, like Headhunter. Um, it's team based, and then when you shoot, when you kill somebody, their skull a skull comes out of them, like the skulls from Halo or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if they have killed anyone, it'll have you pick up their skull, right? Mm-hmm. So then you have one. You kill somebody else, you got and two. You going for the touchdown? But it's, yes, you score with them on it on a rotating hill, like it moves. And I don't know. <laughs> So Master Chief Collection, what I've found, especially playing with them, we're either going to play against Major League Gaming pros, Yep. we're going to play a very close competitive like... As, as people on another channel, separate channel than you, <laughs> you can't hear them talking shit about you. Yes. Um, as they murder us. As I got murder killed. You. I got killed in one round last night by three separate streams. I watched it as I died. Mm-hmm. The replay on Halo 4, I watched this way and up from the top. I had no chance whatsoever. They yeah. were fucking pros. Then they toyed with with us at the fucking end. It wouldn't finish the game. But we either play with Major League Gaming pros, we play a close competitive match where it's like one or two points either way, or we blow them out and wash them away, and it's just not even competitive. We're playing with people, and I'm like, what is even happening? Like, what Did it just throw us a mercy bone all at once? It's probably Um, probably the uh, artificial intelligence and matchmaking. It might just be overcompensating. They'll eventually get there. Like swinging it back and forth nonstop. Yeah, they'll eventually get there. Because I think think Call of Duty is a little bit more uh, precise on that. We played a real cool mode called Fiesta. You don't know what weapons you're going to spawn with. It's just team deathmatch. Sounds like a party. And you get... It it totally is. You Mm -hmm. just get two weapons. You have no clue what it is. Like some of the... I think it was a Halo 4. It was either Halo 4 or Halo Reach um, board. And I had one of the guns I got. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't fucking know what this is. Apparently, you hold it down to find a target, and then it'll lock on somebody and shoot. But I had to figure that out. Like, I have no clue what this damn gun is. Then I got killed with a needler, and I'm like, fuck. 
who gets killed with a damn needler. <laughs> so we did uh, we did about three hours of Master Chief Collection. People die from the needler. You just don't talk about dying from the needler. I did. I just owned up to it. And uh, I, I can confirm Master Chief Collection is way more fun to play on Xbox One X than it is on iPad Gen 6 uh, over Wi-Fi <laughs> on xCloud. But hopefully that will improve also. I'm sure it will. All right, sir, what have you played outside of the land of the borders? The um, third iteration. The third iteration of the fourth one? Fourth game? Fifth game? It is the fifth, isn't it? There's like yeah. a pre-sequel. There's I mean, we Tales met, of we, the Borderlands. We just met a character from Tales of the Borderlands, so... You recognize him. It's good that Vaughn, you played that yeah, you know the that. The same voice you know actor, yeah. Um, characters are crazy in Borderlands. They're just, I'm like, what the fuck's going to happen next? Yes, they're 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 white. Yeah, their white writing's always kooky. They they've always been known to do uh, pretty good uh, Easter eggs. Strange characters. Yeah, especially like you know, there was like a area in the first game where you discovered, and it was like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, references all over it. But um, neither here or there. Outside of that, I I went ahead and finished my gameplay of Resident Evil Zero. Uh, I think I think last time I when I brought it up, I, what was that? I just started it. What was the Turtles reference? I was a AFK. Oh, it's just like you go in the sewer and you see pizza and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like, I like uh -huh. that kind of stuff. There's multiple references for multiple franchises in there. And it's like they don't say Turtles because you know they can't. Oh, but yeah. you can figure it out. You know, put two two together, what it right. is. Four samurai mutant. Or not mutant. So, I'm going through this, uh, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm going through this horror thing where I, I, I want to go through a couple of these Resident Evil games before Resident Evil Trace comes out in April. Hey, that's um, why we're playing uh, Siren tonight on stream. There we go. Um, I know I brought up last week that I started Zero. I went ahead and finished Zero. Um, I've been playing this on PS4. Yeah. Um, it's different. Let's put it that way, because uh, I, I kind of and I, I kind of see what's different. Because now I also kind of tie in what else I'm playing now is Resident Evil One mm -hmm. on PS4, and how two completely different games these are. Um, Zero is definitely more of an action game. Versus where one was more the mystery and intrigue uh, in the atmosphere. You got me with of, that because uh, I, I thought Zero was like straight up just a follow up to Resident Evil, like using the same engine. Like, all right, we need to we need is, to use this again. It's not the same engine as Resident Evil One. It's so crazy, to me. and it's crazy. What's crazy is Zero came out after One, right? After the remake, so you can definitely tell it's two different teams. What was the gap between those? Do you remember? Six months. That's it. Yeah, I think one came out in May and the other one came out in November. You Capcom, can look it up went, the dates. Capcom went in on the GameCube, man. Um, so. What you see in Zero is that there is no magical uh, chest that kind of follows you around from a safe room. There's no you get safe spaces in Zero. There's mm -hmm. not very many of them. So your um, inventory management is uh, a little bit. E what they try to alleviate a little bit more is that you have two characters you switch between two. So it's kind of like double your management. Mm -hmm. So like okay, Rebecca can hold this. Billy can hold the other half. What I've noticed I've been doing is like certain safe areas. I'm just dropping shit in the room. And because there's no chest for me to put in that follows me, so okay. I have to backtrack to that room and where I left like the magnum. And what's crazy is like they give you the ability to do that because I guess they know they recognize that's how you have to do it for the games. Like when you get to the very end, there's you unlock a giant elevator, right? Which takes you to the very beginning of the game. So like before I went and find the find a boss, fought them, was I had to go back and get the magnum and the ammo that I left in the original room that I started the game <laughs> after the train <laughs> that's crashed. A, that's and, hella backtracking. Yeah. Man. Oh god, there was so dude, there were so many times where I almost didn't beat the game because like uh, Damn. I, I don't know where I don't know where fucking Billy would just like stop following me. And I I, I turn around I was like, where do you go? And then I like I have to switch back to him to get him back to Rebecca. He's running down a new uh, walkway. These giant fucking toads jump out of the water. Yeah. 
they'll use your tongue and grab you and eat you. You can't get out. Once they grab you, you're done. So it's like they're designed to like you have to have both characters in a room that way. Because if you get grabbed, you need the other character to shoot the toad so you can get free. Was it meant to be a co-op game? Uh, what happened? I don't know if it's a co-op game or not. I just know that it's uh, there's bits where they split the characters off like, and it doesn't happen often, but it's like all right, Rebecca can only fit in this box, mm-hmm. and she it goes to an area where she unlocks this bridge that goes up so you can cross the water and ravine and all that stuff on there so you can get to the next area. But I don't think there's a two-player mode in there. I can't. I don't know. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't dive into it to find out. Right. But um, there's some bullshit stuff like that with the fucking frogs. I hate the frogs. So will it fail you if he runs off like that and just gets killed for no Yeah, if the frog grabs, you're dead. It's done. You see, I'm like, I'm because I'm in there like, God damn it. You know, like, every time he grabs me, there's nothing I can do because he's struggling. And it's like, you died. And I was like, if you didn't save close enough, uh-huh. you're redoing shit. I think I lost an hour because I didn't plan for that frog. The frog came out of nowhere and scared and, like, totally caught me off guard. A side note on uh, Wikipedia, development of Resident Evil Zero. It was meant to be a prequel for the 64DD attachment. Oh, that explains So they why. abandoned that and moved it to GameCube. Alright, so they probably just expanded upon it. And Capcom started development on the 64 version shortly before the summer of 98. One of many Resident Evil games being developed at the time. One of these was Code Veronica, which was taking full advantage of the GD-ROM from Dreamcast. Uh, they talk about putting Resident Evil 2 on... N64, shrinking it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it Angel uh, Studios or something like that? Yeah, nothing in uh, nothing definitive about... Uh, Resident Evil Zero was released for GameCube on November 10th, 2002. And I think and Resident Evil 1 Remake was like May of that year. It was ported to Wii along with Resident Evil as Resident Evil Archives. Two separate ones. Uh, for many years, the fate of the original N64 prototype remained unclear. All that remained was low-quality video captured from Tokyo Game Show in 2000 and magazine scans. In 2015, Capcom showed off the prototype while marketing the remaster and demonstrated new high-quality footage of it. The prototype remains unreleased to the public. Yeah. A cool side note. Sorry about that. Sir. No, you're fine. So I was going to get some history bits in there. Yeah, so I went through there, and what the, the story's not terribly deep, but it's, it's a lot deeper so far from when I was playing Resident Evil 1. It is a prequel, right? Yeah. So it does set the sto- uh, stage on the creation of Umbrella and kind of like uh, Marcus and Spencer, the the two heads of uh, Umbrella. One more of a, so like the CEO aspect, the other one more of the one who developed the T-virus and kind of fostered it and, mm-hmm. and created it and put him in leeches and stuff like that. And and then from there, he was the one who trained uh, Birkin and uh, Spencer. And it's like you learn like little story bits. Like he was told to like, hey, make a rivalry between these two. Like they're they want to get up in the num- like they want to grow through the umbrellas ranks, but and they're the perfect fit. But mm-hmm. like make them kind of like rivals. And that's what they kind of did. And as you know, uh, Spencer is the one who was uh, stars. He's the one that's the main force behind Resident Evil One. Right. Birkin's the main force behind Resident Evil Two. He's the one at the and Zero was like, I'm gonna continue my research on the G virus. Which is what he created for Resident Evil 2, in which he infected himself and became a zombie from that one. Gotcha. So, it's kind of cool, because you see down there where they kind of went their separate ways, and they were like, alright, I'm going to go follow the original plan at the mention. He's like, oh, I'm going to keep doing my research for G. And it's like, oh, so he's going to go with his Resident Evil 1 story, and the other one's going to go with his Resident Evil 2 one. Cool. So, it does fit on there and add that to the backstory, which is pretty cool. And then It fills is, in the gaps. Mm-hmm. You never see Billy again. He's not in any other Resident Evil. Uh, and they kind of explain what happens to him in this game. And then er, the end of this game, Rebecca, it leaves her right in front of the mansion in the first game, and she just rolls into there. So, Billy Cohen. 
Is she in the first game? Yes. Okay. Um, she's only, I don't think, I can't remember if she's on Jill's side story. I still remember vividly when I played Resident Evil 1 on the uh, PlayStation. I played the Director's Cut DualShock Edition. Mm-hmm. And that gameplay, that one's a little bit different because you get multiple innings. I think there's like six different innings. And the inning I got in there, was, uh, there was a hunter that fucking killed Rebecca, chopped her head off. I didn't save her in time. And I, I still remember oh, that. God. I still remember it to this day. Cause oh, I was like, God. I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, but you can actually go through the game and save her and Jill. That's one ending. You can save her, and then Jill dies. There's multiple endings depending on there. But I remember to this day, Rebecca fucking died in my ending. Just like it, <laughs> I just walked into the library, and it's like it just jumped, and I couldn't get her in time. Damn! It just her head fell right off. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, shit. I still remember to this day. And I was like, fucking. I played that in 1998. It's been more. It's like it's been 20 years. You know, burned into your brain. Yes, yeah, to this day, that's been tragic. But uh, I started as uh, Chris Redfield's. Um, gameplay uh, where you know we showed a little bit of it. I played a little bit on Switch earlier uh, pre-production mm-hmm. and you took a look at it which looks very amazing. looks really good on that small screen impressed. on the Switch mm-hmm. I did too when I fired it up I didn't expect it to look that good because uh, it looks weird on the PS4 Pro uh, stretch out over 4K because um, com- it's very blurry on the compressed on the video one. Yeah. already yeah. Yeah. it works very well on the small screen they didn't remaster those cutscenes or they they just expanded them kind of a basic they straight it, stretched out to widescreen that's yeah. it um, it may look better if you go back and do a uh, 4x3 maybe. I haven't tried it. Right. So outside of that, I mean, that game is completely different than Zero. Zero, you can kind of tell they were going more for action base. Um, it was a lot more easier to follow. Resident Evil 1, it, 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 if you're not in the mood for that type of game, it can very, very easily turn you off. Because it's like, it doesn't really hold your hand. Mm-hmm. It throws you in this mansion. And it's like, all right. Here you go. You said you it know, was obscure. You have to go around and look at everything and figure out, like, all right, this door's locked. It doesn't even put the map in the proper place. Like, the first map is in a, in a room inside of a statue where you have to move a dresser drawer to get to. Because if you don't have a map, then it's a, it's a lot harder. Because at least the map, you can, like, all right, this door's locked. This door's blocked. I can't get through this door. And it maps it on there. Like, this is a safe room. So that way you know, all right, I need the armor key to get in here. So it makes it a lot more manageable when you get the maps in the game. Right. But it's like, it, there's not really anything in there that tells you what to do. It's It kind of just throws the player in there and like, all right, figure it out. You, you have to go around and research it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so like a lot of the stuff I remember when I played about 20 years ago, what you need to do in there. So uh, I already know I have to go in there and do the iconic scene where the, the zombie go back out there, get the gun, get the map, go in there and, and because uh, you don't get the first safe room with the magical chest that where the stuff falls you in the chest until like uh, maybe an hour into the game. So you have to there's shit you can pick up along the way, like the emblem in front of the fireplace. You do not want to get it yet because like you, if you can't fill your inventory zero, you can at least leave something on the ground in the mm-hmm. safe area and come back and pick it up. You can't do that in Resident Evil 1. You it can't leave it. You it's in your inventory. It you're fucked. You have to keep going until you get to that safe room and throw it in that chest. It's funny how the different they are, but there was what four games in between them. You had Resident Evil 2, 3... Code Veronica, then you had Zero. Yep. It's funny how they they were already starting to trend towards that. You've noted the action orientation that it was headed to, and that's what they ended up with Resident Evil 4. Two is when they started doing that action base. Three was almost completely action based because it was a lot of it. You were on the run from that uh, Nemesis. Nemesis, yeah. Because that that was the whole point of the game. That was the terror in the game, was Nemesis chasing you down, was chasing you down, and nothing could stop it. I mean, you, you, you literally, that was the whole basis of that game. I remember when I played in beat, it was like, you get into bits where you can take them down. It's just like you trying to outsmart them, outrun them. You're always on the move. Keep moving. It, like, yep. it didn't have the puzzles and things like that? It did. Because there, there was like little uh, subtle parts where it was like, it calmed down a little bit, but then he'll come out. 
So it's kind of like how they did Mr. <laughs> X on Resident Evil 2, where it's like, he, he, Mr. X was fucking relentless on that. That was like fucking Nemesis. It wasn't, he wasn't that bad in the original Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation. Because, like, I would remember he, he fucking followed you in this, the remake. He, he went down open doors and shit and went, and I was like, oh, god damn. It's like before, <laughs> uh, he didn't go to that extent. You know, if I, I could lose him somewhere and be fine. It's like, that fucker was like, I would, like, go down the hallway in this one in Resident Evil 2 and be like, we just busted open. Like, surprise, bitch, you thought I forgot about you, huh? And I'm like, god damn it, really? I'm like, he's still on my ass. I mean, you know, uh, they it's nice, and it's I'm hopefully, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see if they can um, evolve that a little bit more, uh, more Nemesis gameplay. But yeah, um, I'm I'm almost done with uh, Resident Evil One on the uh, Christmas playthrough. I'll probably go through and do jails, and I think I've already beaten uh, Claire's on Resident Evil Two. I'm gonna go through and do Leon's gameplay, and then yeah. I'll be ready for Resident Evil Three. I'm in this big horror kick. Um, you're gonna play two on uh, the remake, or you're gonna play the um, PS One version? No remake. All remake? Yeah, yeah, whatever's on the PS Four. That's all I've been playing. I'm not I'm not diving in old stuff. Um, yeah, I don't have time for that. <laughs> um, outside of that, I also played a couple new releases. There's some stuff that came out this week. I did uh, join the Darksiders Genesis and played a couple levels on that one. Okay. Uh, which I kind of wish I waited and brought with me. We could have played that. It's Diablo. It is that, and it's local co-op, and it's very easy to get into. And Bring the characters are very different. So Strife is very, like, uh, reminds me of a, a fuckface from uh, Destiny. What's his name? Uh the one that Fuck has, face. I don't remember that character. The one that, yeah, the, the one that always has like that uh, uses guns and is very vocal and is voiced by Nolan North. Um, you can tell Cade the, or something like that. The right? Nathan Fillion character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. You can tell like it sounds like somebody came from. I fell off the Destiny lore by then. Whatever. So when I get out, he looks. Character. He reminds me a lot of that character because cool. his guns and he has like those kind of jokes. And then you have a uh, War from the first Dark Siders game. And this okay. one seems to take place before any of the Dark Siders games. And that's why I guess that's the Genesis name. Genesis. Where they it's just war and strife and they're doing something for the council and they're like, Where's Fury and, and Death? And they're like, they're off doing something else. I didn't um, know this was out yet. Yeah. Well it was a Stadia exclusive since last year, remember? Um yeah, but there's no commercials or anything. Yeah, but that's how THQ Nord Nordic always comes to run. They, I mean, they don't really do advertisement outside of what's already been released. So I've gone through the first level, and it's it's fucking Diablo S. It's good. I like it. It's uh, I'm going around. I mean, there's not outside of there's no really any loot to pick up. You you can pick up like little emblems and stuff like that. I keep track of like twenty of this blah blah blah. And yeah. Kill six of this type of enemy and like little uh, side quests in there. But most of it is just that Diablo hack and slash hack and slash going without the loot you just go and kill go and kill and go and kill move on to the next story and kind of experience the story 9 out so, of 10 review on Steam it's, it's fun the gameplay is real fun man it's a very variety too um, a, lot, a lot of variety maybe more so than Diablo but um, outside of that I mean the story is just basically you're, you're the council you're investing getting somebody who's in might be in cohesion with Lucifer but it, when you go over there it doesn't seem like all is what is being told mm. so it's like you're kind of like doing this backstory and trying to figure out what's going on but it's it fun. telling you the truth yeah i like it this is what i was playing before we started jumping on borderlands 3 i probably would have played it the rest of the night cool um outside of that dark siders genesis last night before bed i sometimes i'll try to play the switch i threw in snack world the dungeon crawl uh that's a weird ass fucking japanese game snack world the dungeon crawl uh it there was some kind of weird song in the beginning where it talked about the joys of eating certain types of food i don't remember off the top of it but it was cool. a it was weird as fuck. It awesome. probably would have sounded better in Japanese, but it was straight translating English. <laughs> Somebody was singing in English. Sounds uh, like a Katamari song. So it, it, it reminds me a lot like uh, those Tamodachi games where you, you come up there and it's like you have a character on the box and mm. you can design that character, but it, it throws in the beginning like, okay, 
design your own character. You can make it look like you. Uh, it looks like kind of like claymation type characters on there. It's a nice little aesthetic. Oh. Um, but it is a like a dungeon light, like a dungeon crawl game, it, like just like its name, like Dark Siders. Kind of. Um, so I didn't get far, so I can't really explain explain it too much other than like I created my character. Um, this king is, and it's a lot of tongue in cheek humor. It's like there's like we found this guy outside the the castle, and it's like, are you expecting anybody to solve any crises in the world? And it's like, no, this is not an RPG. And it's like, and then the bottom is like Royal Palace something. It was like not a role playing game, but it was, uh. it was some kind of reference <laughs> to an RPG. Yeah, it's like I can't think of any other catastrophe. And then the princess is like, well, you know, I'm interested. Bring him in. It's like they, they threw me in the hotel and they're like, okay. And I just woke up and they kind of nursed me back to health. And like, all right, you got to go talk to the king. And that's where I kind of left off. Straight up I, fucking RPG. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like that tongue-in-cheek humor throw. Cool. It's like it's it's poking fun of itself. Um, it's made by Level 5. Um, oh. which, uh, this, I think, might be one of their first self-published titles. They've always kind of relied on Nintendo cool. to uh, publish their titles. Uh, so we'll see where it goes with. Um, the, the other game I played this morning was uh, actually I got into Dreams, and that's the one I'm kind of excited about because I, I was in the the beta, but I I, I wanted to kind of play it after people had their hands on it for a while and made some shit. And there's a shit ton of stuff in there. When I, I um I went in there, I was like, man, well, all that stuff's ported over from the beta, and you know the um what's that? I always forget the name. It's not the beta, the next step where they had charged people for it. Early access. Early access. There we go. So there's a shit ton of stuff on there, and the options are on there pretty good. So like, you can go what they call game surfing or channel surfing, mm-hmm. where you just play a game, beat it, and they'll just jump into the next game. It's like never ending going through there, and it's all platform based, and there's awesome. a lot of creative people out there. So I started out with the the internal game made by the Media Molecule Studio, which is dealt with art. Okay. Um, he is a jazz bass player, and he's kind of like dreaming right now. He's I've like seen this in the previews. Yeah. yeah. He's dreaming and it's like something happened where he was in a band and he kind of ran away and and you're kind of going through like his motivations and why he did it and he kind of the singers Layla she they grew up together and they were they know each other since they were kids and they're adults now and he kind of left everybody behind and her and he, it goes in you know he kind of lashed out at them and a lot of it, it deals with the like the mental aspects of you know getting famous and dealing with fame and working with people and it. it, it Story wise, it's multifaceted. It's pretty good. It's pretty deep um, right off the rip. It it does well in the story. There's even like little singing bits where like the conductor will sing to you and somebody will sing to you and they, he's always in there making jokes like, "Oh God, please don't sing to me." <laughs> you get to like this stuff like he knows he's dreaming. He has to deal with yeah. this bullshit. Fourth wall so, stuff. Yeah, he's kind of like working through some um, early childhood stuff in his dream and to better evolve himself as a person. And going through it, it, it goes through and gives you different aspects of how the gameplay can be. So it's a lot of platforming aspects. A lot of uh, point-and-click, like, adventure titles in there. And so it's, like, the whole point when Media Molecule uh, made that little story bit was, like, all right, this is some of the stuff you could do with this game engine. Mm-hmm. And it's a very a lot of variety in it. Right. So and it, it does pretty good. I'm almost done with it. I'm at the very end of that story. And after that, I'm just going to start. I think I'm going to have it maybe maybe once a week, probably just going through and just you do the surf. surf and just play people's games. and Because uh, I do like the platforming aspects of... Uh, I just like platforming games in general. So. Are you doing it in VR or is it... Uh... Uh, without VR, without VR, yeah, because okay. um, I mean, there's three ways you can play. You can doesn't they don't really advertise VR in there. There you could do VR. Uh, you could do a standard uh, DualShock Three with no motion. You could do DualShock Three with motion, kind of like a tearaway where you kind of use the motion to uh, do different bits in there. That's the one I'm using. Medium molecule. Or you can do uh, PlayStation Move controllers. Um, they can do mouse and keyboard also. 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. I haven't gotten that far. I, I'm just playing their bit. That's the only three you can give me on their bit. Let's put gotcha. it that way. Gotcha. Uh, I imagine with other people's, you probably have more options. Yeah. So, yeah, I've enjoyed the bit a little bit if I had on it. Um, I'll probably finish that up this weekend and probably just after that, once a week, I'll probably do a uh, Dreams update, hopefully. So, cool. Yeah. That's everything I've been playing this week. I'd like to hear more about Dreams. Yeah, I'm enjoying the hell of it. It's worth the $39, especially because, you know, I'm a big platform fan. Mm-hmm. So, it's a lot of platforming games in there. A lot, a lot of uh, creative people in there. It's like Making a little games. big, little big planet all over again, yeah. with even more variety. Yeah, with a with a an actual game engine that you you can for whatever reason you can create anything you want. I've seen people create some weird ass shit. So we're gonna see even better better mm-hmm. stuff come out. I'm excited for this. I'm glad it's out. This has been one of those things that just it seems like it's been. Well, we never knew what it was building for so long. Yeah, we never knew what it was about, but I think yeah. it's because it's a fucking game engine, like yeah. a game creator. That's right. why it took so long to come out. It's right. because they put so much into it. And you've seen the reviews on it. I think it's got critical claim. So Yeah. The Metacritic's through it's higher than God of War and yeah. something else I saw. The last so of us. I'm happy for them. They paid off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That the game will pay it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm I'll be happy to see when that hopefully comes to other platforms and that'll hopefully grow that environment and we'll get to play a lot of different types of game uh, game games for different people. So look what happens when you give a studio a budget and time to create their their masterpiece, what it's they what, want. what Sony's known for, you know. It's what they learn after the last couple of generations, you it's know. You give a, tell a studio, like, all right, make what you want. They, they've been known for that, and sometimes we, we didn't, I don't know if we talked about it, but they, how they close Manchester Studios. Sometimes they close Manchester, you know. They, sometimes that was they a VR studio, right? Yeah. They were, remember they were working on something big, I guess they didn't pan out, and they were like, well, let's just cut our losses, and they closed them, so it is what it is. They never discussed what they were working on, so. Right. It does happen. It does. Every day, all the time. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Glad we got dreams. Yeah. I look forward to hearing what you encounter. I may pick that one up down the road. Start poking around and see what, what people create. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. All right. We're ready to get our siren on? Yeah. Have you decided uh, if we're going to go with the uh, PlayStation Quattro or the PlayStation Dose? Half of the PlayStation? Your call. I mean, you went through all that trouble to set that one up there. I, I, I was talking about doing the PS4 one because it was just easier. I didn't realize we were going through all the PS2 one. Can we hook... <laughs> Can we hook the Logitech up to the PS4 pretty easy? Does it just recognize it? Do we want to be on camera, or are we just going to stream it and talk over it? I mean, we can do we can do it on the PS4 camera. I do have the PS4 camera. Mm. Will it record to YouTube as we do it? Yeah. It will. As yeah, long as you go into YouTube and authenticate the account and say, like, hey, yes, record live streaming. All right, let's check it out. Yeah. All right, we're going to head to uh, our streaming now. We're going to start playing Siren, the PS2 horror classic. Either on PS2 or on PS4. We I don't know. Decided. I mean, you already have the PS2 set up, so it might be easier if we did the pre-set up on PS4. It's still going to be a little bit, so okay. I don't know. Uh, you can find this podcast on uh, iTunes. Spotify. Stitcher. Google Play. SoundCloud. Overcast. Or that's it. We yeah. Got it. And down. whatever has an RSS feed. Yep. iHeartRadio. We're on... Mountain <laughs> Dew Radio. I find out Mountain Dew Radio. Walmart Radio. <laughs> KRGR, remember Holy Kroger shit, Radio? We're on Walmart Radio. That'd be amazing. I bleeped all the time, like bleep. There's a. Uh, I almost sent you a message earlier. There's a Halo Reach thing at the Microsoft Store tomorrow. Yeah. I kind of want to go to and just wear our shirts and be there. Oh gosh, that'd be cool. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Twitter as No Podcast. Just search yep. for us there. We'll never be on Facebook outside of Instagram. Fuck Facebook. Yep. Yes, Instagram is Facebook. Yeah. Um. Thank you for joining us this week, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Adios. Well done.
thoughts on Siren before we start streaming it? Um, I've never... I've always played a little bit about it, and I like the fact that you kind of just bounce around from different people, and I know it's made from the Silent Hill team. Mm-hmm. So, so you're basically going in blind like I am? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, well, you know, before then, I didn't know um, it was made by the Silent Hill team and, mm-hmm. until afterwards, and, you know, Team Silent had moved over with Sony, but... Yeah. I just got it. I remember when it was super cheap, and I got it probably probably a year ago. I got the game of guide, the guy I have over there that... Uh, thank you followers for following us on Instagram. You saw that picture on there. That'll be on there. And we'll be streaming some Siren tonight. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm feeding off of your survival horror kick. 